I honestly thank God for this church, and I thank God for you. You've been a real blessing to, uh, to me personally, my family, and the ministry at Camp Pinnacle. I thank God for your faithful support of Kingdom Bound, whether the youth are going there or just over the hill, over to Camp Pinnacle. I thank you for your prayers, and I thank you for your support. And I'm here to report to you, by God's grace, He met the children this summer, and your investment has returned a hundredfold, even literally. I mean, over 109 children accepted the Lord this summer. And it's much more than just seeing them raise their hand in the tabernacle. What I love is to hear what they have to say around the campfire. At the vision dinner, I invited anyone you wanted to come up, come up. Well, on uh, two weeks ago, uh, a couple of pastors showed up with about a half a dozen of his people. They're people, and they just wanted to see for themselves, and, and they weren't disappointed. I, I, I cannot take any credit because anything from me wouldn't be worth anything anyway. But I stand amazed when I look and I, I hear what these children say that God had done in their life in just one week of camp. I'm like, Lord, I can't believe how deeply and how quickly you're able to reach into these hearts. And I'll, just to help us understand the scripture this morning, I'll share what God had showed me through their lives. Now, in the scriptures, there's at least uh, three great things that we know. We, we know we have the Great Commission, and we're told to go into all the world and make disciples. We also have the Great Commandment. Love God your Father with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And this morning, I want us to look into the next great, and it's the great invitation. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. The first invitation we find in verse 28 is the invitation primarily to salvation. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. The Lord asks us to come. It is what makes Christianity different from all of the other world religions. And, and even as Jesus was looking what the Pharisees had done with the weight of God when they were throwing weight upon weight upon their followers to try to be holy. Or as Pastor Brian said, if you're trying to do it in your own works, you're going up the wrong path. For that is the same path that all of the other world religions have in common. They are building their own Tower of Babel, trying to reach heaven, trying to reach God. And the difference of, between Christianity and man-made religions is that man-made religions are based upon works, and Christianity is based upon the finished work of Jesus Christ, and He is the one reaching out His hand. He is the one saying to come. He is the only way to God. For Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life, and no man can come to the Father except through Me. We have a wonderful Savior, and we sang about it. Take it with us. 
Don't leave it the short hour we have here at the church. Don't do what I did this morning. Pastor Brian had offered me some water. I said, yeah, I would like that water. And it's still in his office. (laughs) The living water God wants us to have with us out into the world. That's the first great commission. Go, but don't go alone. Go with me. Go with God. To what extent are we willing to make that a reality in our life and to sacrifice for others? Let me tell you a story of an aunt and her nephew. We had an aunt from New York City, a wonderful Chinese woman. She heard about Camp Pinnacle and wanted to introduce her nephew who lived up in Montreal to Jesus Christ. And she is a nurse and tried to fit into a schedule and she called. She couldn't make during a registration time. So he said, you know, fine, we'll do it then. And she says, I can't pick him up in time either. I said, look, we'll work with you. That'd be fine. She drove all the way to Montreal, picked up her nephew, drove all the way down to Camp Pinnacle, paid his way to come to camp. And uh, this little boy, his name is Glenn, Glenn Meng, uh, you know, Bill, Bill Warnkin was there to pick him up because it was after time. It wasn't during our, our normal procedure where everyone gets to go where they normally go. And our summer camp director met him. And I'll never forget what Bill told me. He says, oh, when I met, met Glenn, Glenn, uh, Glenn is a combination of Glenn and Mang. It's <laughs> um, he goes, he turned to me, he goes, what kind of a camp is this anyway? Is this a Christian camp? He goes, I believe in science. So Bill told me that, and, and, and he became one of the individuals that really got on my prayer radar screen. I started praying for him, and, and God, God worked in a different way. And Bill said, you know, why, why don't you bring your creation message this week? Because I, I build that off a lot of science, and how we see God in science. After all, God created science. Um, and uh, because the, the very essence of science is something needs to be measurable and repeatable. You need to be able to observe it and be able to do it again. And you only have that in creation. God observed it and, and it keeps perpetuating itself as each creature begets after its own kind. And, and then I went into DNA and I went into the universe and, and uh, thermodynamics and, and, and law of thermodynamics and all these things that just from nature, from science, prove creation. And I was looking, we had over 20 children uh, raise a hand up high saying they wanted to receive. The God who created them was the God who redeemed them. And I'm looking, I'm looking, and every, I saw all these hands go up, but Glenn's did not. And I went, wow. This was a first for me, because every time God, for the last decade, had laid a child on my heart, usually I pray that they receive the Lord Wednesday night, and it's usually Wednesday during dinner before the message that the counselor comes up and says, so-and-so wants to speak with you, Pastor Chris, and we go into the snack shop, skip dinner, and I get to lead him to Christ, which is great. But, but Glenn didn't come to me at dinner time and, and didn't raise his hand Wednesday night. But I'll never forget what he said Thursday night at the campfire at sunset. He stood up, and I went, oh, this should be interesting. This is a boy who believes in science and did not raise his hand on Wednesday. You never know what's going to come out of their mouths. Glenn said, you know, when I came to camp, I was not a Christian. He picked up a sip, and he said, now I am. And he took it, and he put it into the fire. And I thought, wow. God got through to a man of science. And I thought, what a blessing that his aunt had done. 
that had traveled hundreds upon hundreds of miles between her busy schedule as a nurse to see that her nephew got to meet Jesus. The Lord meets us in salvation. The Lord invites us to come. The Lord wants our lives to continually be sanctified by Him. And it is great to see lives changed, not only during that week, but week after week and year after year. I remember one girl that, that, that someone from this church had sponsored to come, and she was the saddest girl I had ever seen at camp. And uh, then came that Wednesday night. She just wanted to talk with me. We, we just struggled through in sharing the gospel. And she received the Lord. And I could see the, the light of the Lord beginning to really spark in her. And then she came back three weeks later at the end of the summer. And it was interesting. The girl that I had made a mental mark in my mind, I'd never seen someone so sad come to camp. When she came back the second week, uh, nearly a month later at the end of the summer, I'll never forget what I read in the counselor's report. See, I get three reports on every camper. I get one report that the camper fills out. It's just, it's just a survey. You know, what, do you, what was the one thing you would like to do at camp? I thought that's a great tool for a counselor to know because we're to love people to Christ. And I remember one kid put, I just want to get a bullseye. If we have to walk him two feet from the target, he is going to get a bullseye. You know, they, they, where there's a will, there's a way. We can do that. We can show the love of Christ. And then we ask a couple other questions. And one, do you know for sure you go to heaven and there's a zero, the ten we put there. Have you received Jesus? We, you know, we ask that. Then I get another report back from the camper. And these are the ones I really love. I just ask basically three questions. One, what did you like about, best about camp? Two, what could we do better and three, ask the same question. Have you received Jesus and how sure are you going to heaven? And then there's counselor fills out a report. And any spiritual life in that child's life, progress in that child's life. And on that particular child, they wrote, this was the happiest girl I've seen all summer. I went, wow. That was a month later. I thought that was neat. I even saw one girl, I think it was last year, um, she was a third-generation witch and advanced in the art. And her another aunt, who she had lived with for a while but went back with her mother and, and, and got reinvolved in this. And then she was one I was praying for, and she was one that wound up missing dinner and going in the back. And I made, when, when I share the gospel with children, I try not to make it easy. You know, and especially with this child, I go, you know you're going to have to forsake your family and everything else that's been going on. But I can see the joy of the Lord was already in her life. And she, without hesitation, said, yes, I fully understand that. And she had received the Lord. God asks us to come. And hopefully all of us here, as we, we give testimony by taking communion together, that we've responded to that call. And we do all that we can to make it possible for others to respond as well. But the invitation goes further, just like the Great Commission says, go therefore, and doesn't say go therefore and make babies. It says go therefore and make disciples. And what is a disciple? A disciple is a learner. And in verse 29, Jesus says, take my yoke and learn from me. Now, it starts off really strange. And when we're talking about uh, verses that talk about taking up a yoke and finding rest for your souls. It's the exact opposite of what we expect. Most of us rest from work instead of going to work to rest. 
The Lord has a way of turning things on top of their head, making them just the opposite of what we would expect. When Jesus sent his disciples away for food and he met the woman at the well and then they came back and they had the food, he goes, I'm not hungry. What? I have food that you do not know of. We are made in the image of God and there's a part of us that can only be fed spiritually. And we have the physical counterpart to help us understand that which we cannot see. But Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The Lord's will for us is often opposite of our will for ourselves. Jesus experienced that when God became flesh and dwelt among us and he was ready to give up that flesh right before the cross. He goes, Lord, if this cup can please pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will but thine be done. That was not easy for him, but it was good. This was the son whom the father was well pleased, and he finished the task that was set before him. And whenever we give up our will for God's will, it is a better choice. I, I often think of the child that, that was wise beyond his years. Uh, I don't know if you ever noticed, but I remember one time I went back to uh, Long Island where I grew up, and I went to a store. I hadn't been in that store since I was like six years old. And the last time I remember going to that store, I was like this behind the counter. Yeah, it was kind of really, I remember I walk in, I'm looking down, I go, is this the counter I used to look up at? Well, it's a true story about this little boy that he went and he plopped his nickel on the counter and there was a sign, a fistful of candy, five cents. And he just looked at the clerk and the clerk looked down at him and said, son, why don't you take your candy? And the little boy said, would you get it for me? His hands were far bigger. God's hands are far bigger. Are we willing to trust him with our will? To defer to his choice over ours? In Romans 12, 2, what does it say about the will of God? You know, Paul says, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. I know, sometimes it is a very difficult step of faith. And sometimes we have to struggle like, eight, like Jacob did with the angel. But know that you're going in the right direction of giving your, up, your will for Him. So when we learn of Him, we're going to go through this struggle, this invitation to learn. About His will, yeah, it's not going to be what my first choice is, but it's going to be the best. I was asking myself a question when I was looking through this text. What is the yoke anyway? We know what a yoke is, and it's that brace that we put around the neck and so that the load gets transferred to the broad shoulders of an animal. But Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. I submit to you 
that in a very practical way, because I want something that I can grasp. You know, whenever I preach, it's kind of neat. Whenever I point my finger at you, three are coming right back at me. You know, these are things I need, things, things I'm working on practicing, and these are things that, to whatever measure of success that God got through to my heart, I know it is true. But I believe the yoke is the word of God. Take my word upon you. When we conform to his word, he does marvelous things. In Joshua 1.8, we're told that this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so as to be careful to do according to all that is written in it. And you know what it says here, and here's God's will. Then you'll make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. All linked to His Word. And this is a challenge for us. We need to replace our problems, you know, our burdens, we, we lay our burdens at the cross and, and we all carry a lot of luggage and a lot of struggles and a lot of burdens. God wants us to replace our problems with His promises. God wants us to be promise-centered people, not problem-centered people. And when problems come, we tend to look right at them. And God wants you To find within His Word a promise to replace that. A promise that will cover that. A promise that you dwell on instead of your problem. And every problem that comes into your life is an opportunity for you to walk by faith, to trust in His Word over your worries. It is a sacrifice of praise. Learn of him, and I believe this is the process. I mean, well, the time would escape me to go over the many, many promises that can replace our problems. Philippians 4, 6, 7, be anxious for nothing, but by everything, by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Or earlier in Philippians, or later in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Or later in Joshua 9, have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you may go. You ever go into a situation that you're afraid to go into? Well, that's one promise that I grab onto, and I need it because I get afraid, I get overwhelmed. And I'm convinced not only for me, but probably for you, everything God asks you to do is more than you can handle alone. He finally got through to another dense, one of his dense disciples, and here's another dense disciple, and maybe you would put yourself into that category. You might have heard of the Apostle Paul. You know, he, uh, he was a dense disciple. I mean, gee whiz, he was murdering his followers and had to be literally blinded and, and to be still and know that he was God. And even later, he was struggling. And in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, the Lord, he came to, the Lord said to him, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And this dense disciple finally got it and goes, Well, I'm plenty weak. Oh, his power is made perfect in my weakness? Well, then I'll glorify in my weakness that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Just the opposite of what we would expect. For when I am weak, Paul said, then I am strong in Christ. 
What is our strength? Our own innate skills and abilities? They're very limited. The Christian life is not difficult. It is impossible to do alone. We must do it with Him. Because ultimately, and as I submitted to you earlier, I believe the yoke is the Word of God. And who is the Word of God? In John chapter 1, verse 1 says, In beginning was the Word. And then in verse 14, he said, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. To get to know the Word, now you need to both go through it, and it needs to go through you. You get to know Jesus Christ. We get to know Him personally. I remember one one young lady stood up around the campfire, and, and she said the other week, I learned more about God this week than I have done in my entire life. And I was thinking of some of the things that she had learned. And we had looked at Colossians 1.16. It says, For by Him all things were created. And you look at the, the contents of Colossians 1. Him is referring to Jesus. By Jesus all things were created. Both in heavens and on earth. Both visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. Oh, we sung about a great Savior. He is the Almighty God, the Creator of heaven and earth. He is the one who has done this. I mean, we can't even begin to measure when we look into astronomy just how far and, and try to understand the great distances between planets and solar systems and the size of suns and the great intense heat. He, Jesus! And then he refers to himself. Learn of me. I'm humble and gentle of heart. Remind me of Isaiah 42 and verse 3. A bruised reed I will not break, and a smoldering wick I will not put out. We give up on both of those, don't we? What do you do when you get a bouquet of flowers and one of the flower stems is busted? Some, some of us will try to prop it up. When you do that, you're doing a godly thing. But realize God looks at you like that broken flower in the bouquet. He will not give up. Others, we toss it out, especially right before we give it as a gift. <laughs> you know, we kind of weed through it, didn't make the trip in the car too well, or, or whatever the case may be. God does not give up on us. We should not give up on one another. Even if there's that little bit of smark, he said, a smoldering wick he will not put out. Huh, the wick's smoldering, we break out the matches or the lighter and go right back to it. The Lord's there fanning it. He tells us not to quench the Holy Spirit, but he's there in the believer's life and he wants to fan that. Realize that he hasn't given up on you. And realize that we should not give up on one another. We need to learn about him. We learn about his will. We learn about his word. We learn about his person. And in so doing, we learn about ourselves. I'm convinced a lot of times I look for the wrong places for rest. Sometimes I come home, I'm exhausted. 
I turn the TV on. We don't get TV. I, I put in a DVD because there's no signal at our house. And I can, my kids go, this is the 10th time you're watching it. I know, but I never get past the credits. <laughs> I go right to sleep. Or how about you? Hopefully it's not true of Pastor Brian, but it's been true of me more than once that by the time I get home from vacation, I'm exhausted. I need a vacation for my vacation. We're looking in the wrong places for rest. We need to go to him. And that's why he says, you need some rest? Put on the work harness. Put on the word of God. Start working to apply it. And you will find rest for your souls. We can cast all our anxiety upon him because he cares for us. Um, Thursday a week ago, the Lord impressed upon me as I saw how deeply he was driving this truth into the children's lives. I'm like, wow. The ministry of Camp Pinnacle is literally saving lives. Around one campfire that Thursday night, and the two pastors happened to be there with their congregation. At least six children stood up and said that they have attempted suicide and been hospitalized, hospitalized for it. One boy said he still had the mark around his neck. One girl said my two friends had committed suicide and I was hospitalized for it myself, but I found Jesus and now have a reason for living. Another boy had stood up and he said, by the age of 11, I was addicted to drugs and alcohol. By the age of 13, I saw my life was terrible. And he goes, I went to my parents, and I asked for help. And he said, they sent me to Camp Pinnacle. That was three years ago, and I found the Lord, and I've been doing great since. God can meet our deepest need. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. He gives us an invitation to receive Him, to listen to His call. He gives us an invitation to learn of Him. He gives us an invitation to serve and to find rest. He says His yoke is easy in verse 30. That is because, and a lot of the yokes you see are double yokes, and we're in yoke with Him. And can you try to make a mental picture of a human being in, re, in yoke with an eternal, omniscient, omnipotent God? You know, I usually I had a friend of mine up in Maine who went to the church that I pastored. He had, he had done logging with oxen, big things. And I remember when we traveled out west, I saw a bison. I mean, the, the necks were like this. You know, 100 inches plus or way plus that goes around. They go, powerful things. And I thought, gee, if I was ever in, in yoke with an oxen, and an oxen, and, and this is this biblical proof to this when you look at the, uh, the four cherubs, you know, one was like the oxen and referring uh, to one of the Gospels. But if God is the ox, what are we, a little chihuahua? You know, kind of picture that. What would a chihuahua do with an ox in yoke with him to do the work of the Word of God? That burden for the chihuahua alone would be pathetic. In fact, he wouldn't be even able to move the yoke, let alone the load that the yoke was meant to move. And I, I could picture it, and then sometimes I think this is me. Sometimes I think I'm a chihuahua. 
I'm in the yoke, and, and I'm flailing my little legs, and I'm trying to push along, and I'm just hanging in the air, and I'm tiring myself out. The Lord said it's easy. What's the chihuahua to do when he's in yoke with an oxen? Enjoy the ride. When we walk by faith, he takes the burden, and we are to enjoy the ride. But I'm afraid too much we're like a little chihuahua and we're not even feet aren't even touching the ground and we're wearing ourselves out and going nowhere. So he says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I'll give you lust. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am gentle and humble of heart and you shall find rest for your souls. For my burden is easy. My load is light. We find salvation in Him. Through sanctification, we learn more of Him. And the rest that we crave, it is in Him. Let's pray together. Father, I thank You that we are saved by grace and by mercy. It is not of ourselves. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, lest any man should boast. But we are your workmanship in Christ Jesus, created for good works that God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. But Lord, we cannot walk in them in our strength. And I ask that you'd help each of us here to respond for your invitation simply to come. And immerse ourselves in the yoke of the Word of God and trust in your promises over our problems. And may each of us find the rest for the souls that you offer. For we commit ourselves to you and your service and the need that we have for our rest. In Jesus' name, amen.